Welcome to the Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodeutchen. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books to art to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Martine Rose, my guest in this episode, says that she likes to play with the things that we already have and present them in a way that feels new, or as she puts it, wonky. Since launching her fashion label, the designer, who hails from South London, has built a considerable fan base and attracted the admiration of everyone from Balenciaga's Demna Griselia to Drake. In the podcast, we discuss the importance of sex appeal in fashion, memories of London's rave scene, and why she'll never give up on in-real-life fashion shows. Hi, Martine. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really happy it's Friday. TFI Friday. So, TFI Friday. Um, So, um, I'm at home in West London, and... Where are you? Where are you? I'm I'm actually in my studio in Finsbury Park. So we're at the tail end, hopefully, of this um, of a very lengthy COVID nineteen induced lockdown. Indeed, yeah. So in, in January, just a few months ago, you showed a digital a digital presentation of your most recent collection. Mm-hmm. It was in the form of a short film called "What We Do All Day," and it was a comment of sorts on lockdown as well as a showcase for your clothes, and mm-hmm. it featured twenty four people. Um, in different parts of the world, um, filmed supposedly in at home, um, yeah, doing whatever it is that we do when we're at home all day. Um, <laughs> I thought it'd be really nice to hear from you just what your what the thought process was behind that and the inspirations and what led you to doing it and how you got Drake involved because I know yeah. people want to know about that. And oh just, yeah. yeah, just to talk a bit about, I forgot a bit, about, a bit that, about that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, sure. It was so. I met these fab guys, International Magic, and we met just before the pandemic. And initially the conversation started, we were like, what's the future of fashion? Actually, it started as a sustainability conversation. Like, um, is it, can we really justify sort of flying loads of people over the world um, to see these shows that often have like enormous, huge wastage, because they have these huge sets that can't be reused again, so they get broken down, blah, 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 blah. That's how the conversation started. Is it is this the future, or what is the alternative? Can it be part of another future, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then the pandemic hit, and we started to be... It started to be a conversation about what was basically unfolding, and it became... Um, it became our way to... It, yeah, we it, it just became a story, a way of storytelling, you know, about what was happening. Um, and really the challenge was initially, I don't know if you've been to any of any of my shows. So but my, my, my shows, there's quite like, for one, I go I go into spaces that already exist. So I've been to, you know, the cul-de-sac or my or my daughter's um 
primary school or the Seven Sisters indoor market. And usually I use the environment that exists already and a community of sorts that exists in that environment. So it's like a bit, so there's a very particular atmosphere that one that is a bit like, you know, sort of community. It's, it's sort of like breaking down a bit of a wall. So my question really from the very beginning, and I wasn't sure it was possible really was how can you do something digital that still has an atmosphere, you know, has warmth, has texture, feels a bit wonky. I'm not a digital person at all, as you could see from my struggling to, you know, with my new iPad. So, you know, I was really doubtful. I was like, I'd, I've never done anything like that. So I don't know what even my language is using in a digital sphere. So, um, you know, as it turns out, I think you can. I think you can. I think I do think we achieved it. I'm, I, You know, I think that we used technology as a vehicle to punch holes into people's lives and I think that you could there were there was a there was a sort of sense of humanity that came um anyway yeah that was sort of that was that was how it was I wanted to bring I wanted to bring people together I still I still wanted to do what I what was what is still very important for my shows which is a sense of community a sense of bringing people together which is why I had it at one time, you know, I had showings because I wanted, I didn't want people to feel that this is also the point, like it's very easy to comment on the, um, on the, what was happening, but a lot of what was happening was really dark. Do you know what I mean? People were feeling really isolated. People were losing load, you know, there was a great sense of loss, um, jobs and family members and all of that sort of stuff. So I, but, so, but I, I didn't want, obviously, I didn't want that feeling of isolation. I wanted people to see their realities reflected, but I, I wanted them to feel connected to, I wanted us all to feel connected together, which is why I had the times, you know, because even, even though you're watching on your own, you had a sense that you were watching with thousands of other people. I think that's really exciting, the idea that in this day and age, when you can sort of log on to things at your convenience, whether it's Netflix or a podcast, yeah, um, it's yeah, quite nice. It yeah. is quite exciting when you can log on to something at a specific time and that video doesn't exist now online. You can't just go and rewatch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wanted it as a, I wanted it as a, like, um, like an event, you know, either you there, you know, people to talk about, I don't know, Margela shows or McQueen shows or com shows, or whatever. And they're like, oh, you weren't there. You, I was, I went to that show. I was, you know what I mean? But it creates a moment. I, I didn't want it to just be this thing where people were like, maybe log on, maybe not log on, catch a bit of it. No. <laughs> and, and why Why did Drake make an appearance? <laughs> oh, lovely Drake. Um, okay, I, w- I wouldn't say that we're friends because that's a very you know um that would that would probably be over egging it slightly but we have met um quite a few times and there is just we just sort of (laughs) we just get on he's such a nice such a nice person he really is such a sort of normal nice person and I wanted to so I asked him to if he would participate in it um, because I wanted to, I really wanted to have a range of people as broad as I possibly could. And I wanted, and he was probably the most like supersonic person that I know in terms of like global mega superstar. But I also wanted to show that his reality was exactly the same as everyone else's reality. 
So it was, it was like, I even sort of forget when he was just like, oh, and I wanted to talk about Joe. I sort of forget that he's in it as, uh, and that was that sort. That's the point. And actually, people d- really haven't focused on the fact that he was in it, which is which is perfect because it was it was that. You know what I mean? That was the story that I was telling. Every everyone is in this. Yeah, it's, it's been a great equaliser. It's like when Andy Warhol said that he liked things like Coca Cola because it's like he know you know that the president's drinking the same version of Coca Cola as you. Oh, that's, that's why such he likes. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw it in that Tate. You know, there's that Tate exhibition there in summer. It just reminded me of that. But um, yeah, well, it's exactly it's exactly that, isn't it? Like. Drake is but, brushing um, his teeth as well. Yeah, and he's a like he's worn your clothes. For, I mean, he's a fan of your clothes as well. Yeah, um, yeah, goes without saying. But I suppose <laughs> it's also it's interesting that it comes at a, at a time. This video, which um, which I also, by the way, just I think it's interesting because these videos, these digital presentations that designers have been doing have been sort of varied. Have come with varied levels mm. of success. You know, sometimes it works and mm. sometimes it doesn't. But it felt yeah. like your one. It really did work. But it's interesting Thank that you. it comes at a time. Um, it comes at a time when not only is it sort of illegal to meet with other people in person <laughs> yeah. in this country, but the whole notion of the runway show is being questioned, isn't it? And with exactly. people saying, is there any point in doing it anymore? It's kind of disgusting to fly people around the world, environmentally speaking. Yeah. Um, do you, have you, did this, doing this video or things similar to this make you feel like that maybe you're starting to move towards a new model? Do you think there's going to be a time soon when people think, oh, actually, much better to do it like this? much more interesting, can say something far more meaningful. No. <laughs> you still love the show. Yeah, I do. You know, like, I think there's a place for both. I think I think with our show, thank you for saying it was, it, you thought it was successful. I actually, <laughs> I actually do as well. I'm really proud of it. <laughs> and I don't often say that about loads of stuff, but I do feel like, and I, probably because it, I really, it was a real collaborative effort. I've never done anything. So I can actually remove myself and say, wow, that technology was brilliant. I, cause I wasn't responsible for it. Do you know what I mean? It was really, it was great and it worked for what I wanted to achieve. So it is possible, I think, to create, um, uh, something digital with texture and warmth and sort of like fabulous, but there's not, but you cannot replace, you cannot, and I never want to replace actually being in a space with other people watching things at the same time. I don't know what the answer is. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not, it's it's really not sustainable or like, or modern or anything, knowing what we know about the impact that we're having on the planet. It's, it's really not the future. To fly people around. Um, and I don't know, I don't really know what the future is. I've always been interested in breaking the, system in, in sort of like trying to find other ways so it's not an, a new thing and I haven't really it's like an ongoing quest really do you know what I mean I, I do always come back to a show I do something and I come back to a show because there's something so so specific about it um so no in answer to your question I'm, I'm not I I can't see myself moving away from it um you know quickly but I think I will always be on that quest to find something alternative and I think like there are viable alternatives you know you don't have to have four shows a year you don't have to have two shows a year or you maybe it's once a year. I don't know you know yeah yeah no it's interesting mm. I mean, there's also this you know there's the question around you know is it isn't it weird that they show the trip the clothes get shown sort of six months before they hit the shelves and 
that kind of thing. And then also another thing that comes up a lot is this idea of, um, I hate this term, but I can't think of a better way of putting it, but gender fluidity. So clothes that can be worn by men and women. And you're yeah. obviously, you know, you're principally known as a menswear designer. I think you launched yeah. your label in 2007. Um, but women have always worn your clothes. And then, yeah. you know, you have especially recently shown some looks, full looks on women, on, on mm-hmm. female um, models. Um, should there be a difference, difference between men's and women's fashion, I guess? I think yes. I hate like gender free clothes. It's like so sexless. It's like the most yeah. unsexy flipping. Do you know what? Like that's not cool. That doesn't, that's not cool. Who wants to wear genderless clothes? I hate it. Like I'm a menswear designer and the women that wear my clothes generally like don't mind wearing men's clothes. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's really as simple as that. I don't, and that is just because I'm that sort of girl. So I, design menswear because uh, it's my natural aesthetic do you know you know I wear I wear you know my boyfriend's clothes my dad's clothes whatever and I always have and I wear like you know the odd dress or skirt or top but it's really it's really inter interlinked I don't so but I hate the term genderless clothes and yes I do think there should be women's clothes and men's clothes because that's the point you want to break the you want to break the rules by by men wearing women's and women's wearing men's that's sort of the point like genderless clothes is like being neutered do you know what I mean it's like there's no sex in that at all yeah that's so interesting I suppose I think because at the beginning when that conversation was happening there was this element of like um, sexlessness to it actually um yeah really so unsexy yeah. like yeah you like men wear <laughs> women's clothes because they feel sexy in it because they want to be sexy they want to do you know what I mean they want to be attractive that's and that is what they're saying I feel sexy in this I like myself in this look how fucking great I look and that's it, it, that's amazing that's what's so amazing about it and the same with women you know, I mean, you feel, you just, you just feel good. You know, you're from London, you grew up in South London and yeah. you know, been, you know, you've been influenced in your work by um, those particularly British sort of things like punk, well, British punk and Acid House um, and the general sort of cultural melting pot that is London. Yeah. Are, are there any specific trends, style tribes like that you've been thinking about recently? It is just... I mean, tribes don't exist, I guess, in the same in the same way that they used to. So, like, you know, it's much, it's much. Do you feel sad about hard. that? Um, oh, I try not to be such an old person about it, but yeah, of course I do. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. I think it's. I think, but you know, there's new there's new things going on now, and I think that that's also really important. You can't live in this like nostalgia. You know, it'd be very. You know, I. But yeah, I do. <laughs> I do feel a bit sad about it. What about London? What do you feel that it is about London that? Um, what does London bring to menswear fashion that other cities can't? Um, British fashion has always been subversive. It's always been about turning things on its head in a way that it has. It doesn't quite have the sort of traditions, and it's like less confident. I mean, I think the the sort of British sensibility of being the sort of underdog and being, you know, I think that that has, you know, that's sort of helped in a way because it means that like, 
it's just it just doesn't have like this sort of formality in a way of like sort of French fashion and it you know youth culture ha- happened here in a different way than it did anywhere else you know I mean I mean probably in New York we're probably quite aligned to New York though um although but it's different do you know what I mean the British punk scene was really different to the New York punk scene um you know it definitely had its own thing I don't I don't know I don't know I mean I think that that was such a such a sort of an influence of, of um communities and immigration paid a massive like influence on British um sort of subcultures and stuff on punk on skinheads on absolute on acid house on absolutely everything so that's why I think London is so sort of specific and when you were growing up what other things you had a, a personal connection to um so uh my I grew up in a Jamaican, predominantly Jamaican household. My mum's English, my dad's Jamaican. My, um, as is very common in the Jamaican or the immigrant community, there was there's usually a central central house, and my nan's house was a very central house. That um, to the Jamaican community in in sort of South London, and it sounds very dramatic, but like you know, people, lots of people. It was just a, a place where everyone met. Uh, also loads of people lived there so I would go we'd go there on the Saturdays my like my cousin all of my cousins would be there and I, I was like one of the one of the youngest so I had like a, you know lots of sort of cousins and siblings ahead of me and it was just it was a house that was full full of influence you know that there, there was um my grandparents records would be playing but upstairs my cousin Darren would be um was really into acid house so he would be playing you know, something he would be DJing on his decks playing that. So it was just this, like, complete, like, cacophony of sound and food and, um, like, culture, really. It felt really important. I just remember watching, and I sort of subsequently, because I was the younger, I wasn't, I wasn't old enough to go out, and I just used to watch all of my cousins get ready to go out. Um, Darren would be going to rain dance and all of that sort of stuff labyrinth and um my my sister was really into like uh reggae and lovers rock and all of that sort of stuff so she would be wearing something else and you know my great it was it it was just an enormous influence an enormous influence and on on um Clapham so Clapham Commons you know not far a walk from and it became like this sort of unofficial um, meeting place for everyone that came back from raves. And um, so they used to come back from raves really early on Sunday morning. But obviously they would be too elated, shall we say, to go home. So they, they all loads of young people just used to congregate and clap and comment. And it became this unofficial thing. People would pull up with their cars, open their car doors, play music eventually it became like an actual scene and and um lorries used to drive up with massive sound system speakers on it and they used to drive onto the common and they used to play and everyone would start it would basically like a day rave and everyone would party all the way through sunday but the weird thing was is because it was on a park we, we could go and it was like it was obviously unofficial so my nan after church my nan used to take me and my little cousins down to this um, 
rave, like this unofficial rave to go and see Darren. But we, and we used to put out a little blanket, sit on the blanket and just sort of like, what, sort of watch this uh, like thing unfold. And it was like, I had this so, such a weird early experience of actually being in raves myself. And I remember for the first time seeing football hooligans or people who I would have, you know, the year before been told to cross the road if I saw them. Um, now I saw them on Clapham Common uh, with their football short shirts like over their heads, putting their arms around rusters and crusties and like all different places. And I, and I just knew I had a sense that this was something that was A, I wanted to belong to and B, that it was like, it was a feat. It was a feeling that it was, it was something really special happening. I was only nine, but I knew that this was like important. You know, I just, I just, I just knew it. And yeah, so I had, I had this sort of like really, really weird access to sort of going out early. And then I used to dance. I used to sort of just dance with everyone. Everyone was so sort of sweet. They used to dance with this nine-year-old. But, but anyway, that's obviously imprinted itself massively on, on um, that was a really early influence and um, continues to be a source of inspiration because it just was so profound. Let's talk about the clothes, your clothes that you designed. So how does that feed, how do those inspirations feed into what you then create? I don't know, you know, like it's not like I don't have um, a mood board with just like, you know, acid house or reg, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I don't, it's just, it, it is, I guess it's woven so much, so tightly into the fabric of who I am. It sort of comes out somehow, you know, it is always what I sort of, I sort of go back to, I'm, I've always been into, you know, I came to fashion late, as in like, I wasn't pouring over Vogue's like Andre Leon Tele, do you know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't that kid. Fashion was way remote for me. It was like not, it was sort of unattainable. It was something else. But there were some brands that, that punctured my lives, John Paul Gaultier, Helen's Story, um, uh, Versace, Moschino, you know, I mean, like those sorts of brands had, had like filtered through that, that, and that was sort of interesting, but n- like fashion, it wasn't, it didn't, it came later. Fashion, I was, what I was really interested, I was using, interested in culture. So, and I didn't realize when I went to art school, I still didn't know that I wanted to do fashion until I sort of finished. Um, cause you went to Camberwell Arts College. Exactly. Right. I went to Camberwell to do a foundation. And I, I thought that I wanted to see sculpture. I, th- I think that that's what I was really like. That's what I was going towards. And all throughout, I've all, I've always gone to, I've always gone to um, clubs and music. That has really been the first sort of thing, you know, that I was really interested in. I was like, yeah, I'll just be, I'll just do sculpture. But somehow, somehow, I sort of connected the dots between music and fashion. I've always been massively influenced by clothes I love clothes I love what people wear how people wear them why they wear them where they wear them all of that sort of stuff but it just didn't just didn't crystallize into fashion until until yeah that that sort of um that year at at Camberwell and then I was like oh yeah I can use fashion is like a um like a vehicle to tell the stories that I want to tell you know 
Yeah, and when you think about Martine Rose clothes, you know, the things that spring to mind are sort of like sportswear, sort of that modified, really nice modified tailoring that you sort of bring in. I love logos. Yeah. And then your famous, the famous square-toed loafer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell, me, tell me about that. I love those. Oh, God. Who knew they would be such a, such a hit? because honestly oh god I remember like working with the factory and they were like what (laughs) what you want us to do what like yes make them squarer make them weirder (laughs) um yeah they they have been such a hit I mean really it's just it's you know it is it is, is in reference to that time I guess you know like it was in it is that point in London where you couldn't wear sportswear to a club you had to wear and this is it again like watching my brother and my co- older cousins go to clubs and there was no way you would go in a well you couldn't you just couldn't go in trainers or tracksuit hoodie I mean loads of places are still like that it's these slightly you know dodgy door policies um but it created what it created was um this uh this sort of this this need to sort of dress up and peacock which is in it in in turn like amazing so yeah it's it's uh it's in, it's in reference to those times i guess um it's it's like you know i just i like to i like to i enjoy to i enjoy playing with things that people recognize or are vaguely familiar and you know have i seen it before or, or just this, it evokes some sort of sense of familiarity, even if the thing doesn't really look like it. It, it You know what I mean? Even if it's so contorted, it no longer looks like it a bit. But there's something, there's a grain of like familiarity in there. And I, because I, li- I like to subvert things, you know what I mean? I like people to, I don't create clothes that are like, more, you know, the future, Do you, you know, some like, crazy you know this is what we're going to be wearing in 2060 or whatever you know it's it's not that I like to I like to play with things that we've already have and present it in a different way that feels new um and just as a quick aside what about the men in wigs fascination oh I love it it's just fun isn't it it's just fun it's just fun it's fun. Fashion is fun. Do you know what I mean? And I think as, if we lose it, if we lose sight of that, it just becomes very tedious, frankly. Dressing up is fun. Going out is fun. You know, creating characters is fun. All of all of it. And and like and putting putting making characters. Wigs are a really great way to create a story, to tell a story, create a character. It's it's just it's part of the storytelling and it's so it I, yeah I just didn't, I enjoy it. What you were just saying about taking things that people are familiar with and then tweaking them that just reminds mm. me of uh, your work that you did with Demna Gazalia, yeah. who's the creative director at Balenciaga and he founded Vetmore. Um, and I think when he was made creative director of Balenciaga in 2015, he spoke to you and asked if you'd help with the menswear side of things. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell about tell me about your relationship with him and how that friendship came about and why oh. why why he wanted to work with you? 
Yeah, bless him. It, it was um, it was it was pretty amazing, you know. Like I, oh, you know, it was a point a point in my life where it was a really, you know, I'd been doing the label for a really long time, and whilst it had had like it had like a, a sort of a cult following, it, it I hadn't hadn't really translated into sort of success into you know like a really sort of commercial success really so he called me and uh we have a mutual friend ollie uh ollie perch a photographer and he had said to me like a, a, probably a, a couple of seasons before oh i have i have a friend in paris demner he's uh he really loves what you do you know he really blah 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 and i was like all oh, right that's nice blah 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 and um he and Demna actually he emailed me out of the blue and he and he said this much he was just like I love what you do um this was before he'd set up Vetmon even but he had ju- he just touched base just to say that he liked what I, I was just doing I was doing then when he got made creative director of uh, Balenciaga I, I sent him a message to say congratulations and he was just like actually would you like to meet because we had had like very sporadic thingy but we'd never met so I went over to Paris um and it was really like sitting down with an old friend. We like laughed because weirdly we had, we had, so he's Georgian and I am Georgian Orthodox. <laughs> and the reason I'm with Georgian Wait. Orthodox is because, is because one of my, uh, one of my best friends, uh, uh, scholar is Tanzanian and she married a Georgian and they asked me to be godmother to their daughter. But in order to be godmother, I had to be Georgian Orthodox. So I got back <laughs> Yeah, sure. I can. Yeah, I can't that. believe yeah, you've no been worries. baptized. I know. Amazing. That's a, that's a whole nother story. But anyway, um, so we connected with. You know, that was a funny. That was a funny sort of interlude. And then, you know, the rest. You know, and that was that was it. We just we didn't really speak about work that much. We just we just really really connected. And that was in the October. And I started in the January. And it was it was amazing. It was like a baptism of fire. I've only ever worked for myself and in bars, you know, so it was really like I'd created my own little culture, my own way of working, but I didn't know if that was the way of working. It was just my way of working. Um, so it really was like a huge learning curve for me, you know, and it was just, it was just amazingly, I just think it was so brave of him. He really didn't know me. He trusted me. He was so busy, obviously with the women's. He really, showed sort of like so i just think it was it was just it was yeah it was just it was really great um are you still in yeah. touch with him yeah yeah he's 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 really he's really wonderful i love i just i love him i love the team because he's done that thing of um he you know he shows his collections the balenciaga collection is sort of happens at a different moment in the schedule doesn't it in the fashion schedule whenever it's like when he wants to do it a bit like Azadina Liar used to do <laughs> yeah exactly i just think that we um coming from like such different places we really connected on so many levels i think we understood something about um we were interested in the same things, I think, in terms of or similar things, at least, um, in and sort of like disrupting things, not just for disrupting them's sake, but I don't know. Yeah, we were interested yeah. in the same stories. Um, and do you enjoy collaborations? Because I know you've done, you know, you've collaborated with 
big brands as well, like Nike, Nike and Napapiri. I love collaborating because I love, I'm a really collaborative person. I love, um, I love when you, I just love the conversations, you know, I just think that you are, you know, take for example, the, the show that we were talking about, um, that wouldn't have happened that couldn't have happened in, in any other way other than collaboration i they brought the strength of tech which i definitely don't have and i brought my thing to them and that and the result is something that is you know a sort of a piece of work that i'm really proud of and i think you can only get you can doing things on your own can get you so far but collaborations for me they take you somewhere else somewhere that you can't get on your own because they you know they Everyone brings their own little bit. And I, yeah, I, I love, I really enjoy collaborations. I think they're great. Do you have, um, do you have people getting in touch with you all the time saying, do you want to collaborate on this? Do you want to do this? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. And, but I, I mean, obviously, um, it just has to make, it just has to make sense. You know what I mean? It, it just has to be, I don't do a collaboration for a collaboration sake. There has to be some sort of synergy between us or it's, it, it, that's that's the that's the thing it can be a bit cheap if there isn't that yeah. that do you know what I mean that that synergy so yeah you have to filter them quite carefully I also wanted to talk to you about the exhibition get up stand up now that was mm. at Somer Somerset House in 2019 which I went to and I keep thinking it was last year but then I keep then I remember that last year is like a weird blip in time it just didn't yeah exactly last year didn't happen um, but it was two, so it was two years ago and um yeah. it was um when I mean, you just thinking about you referencing your british jamaican heritage um and you were part of this exhibition which was a celebration of yeah. 50 years of british black creativity um, yeah. it was created by the artist zach ove okay, yeah. um and you were you know in the exhibition you were featured alongside the likes of like steve mcqueen zadie smith nana cherry how did it feel to be a part of that did you were you involved oh, in the process or when, did you not see it until when you walked in and how did that feel seeing that? exactly it was uh, no i it, i was i was asked to participate and the first time that i saw it was when i walked in and it um i mean what can you say like i stand on the shoulders of greats you know what i mean and to feel a part to sort of have a place at the table somehow. I mean, I've got such massive imposter syndrome, you know. I'm constantly waiting for someone to tap me on the shoulder and go, mate, you got away with it for this long, I don't know. <laughs> you can, you know, you can, well, you know, your time is up. So it's just, it's just sort of the beginning of the, of the conversation in a way. Like, it's just so, it's so immersive, exactly that. I watched the... Um, the documentary on polystyrene the other day as well x-ray specs did you have you seen it yet i don't think i've i don't think is that the no, one by I her daughter oh right is where is it netflix no i i do you know it was it must have been on the bbc because i stumbled i'd read about it and i was like i definitely want to watch it and then i sort of stumbled across it when i was like doing my flicking and um yeah it's really new yeah. it's 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 basically done co-authored by her daughter her sort of going through her stuff and tell and telling her story and you know that again it's like it's just 
the tapestry then is in that actually very briefly and she speaks about the influence of Polly you know um before we finish I've so this so the is there anything that you'd like to put into our the cabinet of curiosities at five Carlos place the cabinet in the attic there we always ask the guest if there's something they'd like to put in there that sort of represents them a few things one thing well now that you've brought up the get up stand up um exhibition that I was a part of in that exhibition I gave I gave them my um most cherished possession and my most cherished possession going back to everything that I've spoken about we were speaking about earlier is um an acid smiley t-shirt that my cousin gave me from those days since I've had it since I was nine it's now washed to you know to the point that you can't wear it because it's like so transparent um and it is just honestly if there was a fire it would be like my kids the t-shirt then my boyfriend I think (laughs) um I do. It would be one of the. It would definitely be one of the first things that I'd be reaching for, and it's because of it, the significant what it represents. You know, I remember my mum saying, "Oh, maybe you shouldn't be wearing it because there was all this furore on acid smiley on the news now saying it's a drug reference and all of that sort of stuff." After me wearing it for ages, and my mum's like, "Oh, maybe you should you be wearing it? I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't be wearing that." <laughs> Having a bit like a little thing about it, and that for me, when you talk about like luxury and couture and all of that sort of stuff that for me is like my most couture piece you know like it's like it's so fragile and beautiful and it's imbued with so much meaning um so it would I think it would be that I love that thank you so much thanks for talking to me oh it's a pleasure Thank you I'm for really, having me. I'm really, really pleased that we got to chat, yeah. No. All right, well, have a good weekend. Have a lovely day and a good weekend and uh, lots of love. That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man, and the hashtag 5CarlosPlace. Thanks for listening.